0: Today's episode is brought to us by BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. It's exactly what you would write in the sand if you were stuck on an island, right? H-E-L-P, help. And then you see the helicopter go by, you start waving. BetterHelp is that helicopter. They are the ones that will save you. They will pick you up. Is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? I know for me, it's been a sense of feeling inadequate or uh, afraid of expressing my needs because like if I express my needs and they say no and they find out what I really want, they're gonna leave and I'll be abandoned and I have to start all over again. And and also just comparing myself to other people. Every time I compare, I get on social media and I see the the amazing life that other people are living, it just makes me want to just curl up and stop doing everything that I'm doing. But BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating and under 48 hours. Now, I understand when you are in uh, despair and, and you are spiraling, you just feel like the last thing you want to do was talk to anybody, but it's the best thing to do. When when I was in trouble, when I couldn't see my way through the, the the thickness, through the darkness, it was talking to someone, especially a professional therapist that guided me through. I still have a therapist. I have not only my own therapist, but I have a couple's therapist. So me and my girlfriend have a th- like Therapy, talking to someone is so beneficial, but it doesn't feel like it when you're in the midst of it. Now, I want you to remember that it's not a crisis line. BetterHelp is not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. BetterHelp is not the right solution for you if you have thoughts of hurting yourself or others. There is a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room with, as with traditional therapy. You could kick back at the crib at your house in Sukasa and get your therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they can make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling. And here's the kicker, ladies and gents. Financial aid is available. That's right. But you, ain't, you don't have to go to college. College ain't the only one doling out financial aid. BetterHelp has financial aid because BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily, right? Check them out. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash Leo. That's right. I got a slash before the name. Go to BetterHelp.com forward slash Leo That's Better, H-E-L-P, and join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Special offer. Here's a special offer. Check this out. This just just came in just now. Special offer for my Before You Kill Yourself listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash leo that's right just for tuning in just for being a, a friend uh an ally uh just somebody who i could just who i enjoy spending my time with 10 percent off your first month if you go to betterhelp.com forward slash leo let's go welcome to another episode of before you kill yourself with your host leo flowers i am leo flowers Today's guest is Alan Henderson, who was born and raised in San Diego and grew up surfing every day, playing drums in a band, chasing ladies around town, a typical beach kid in Southern California. In 2006, he was paralyzed while snowboarding, which changed everything. Welcome to the podcast, Alan Henderson. What's up, brother? I'm great, man. How's your day been? Man, you know, I ate too many Brussels sprouts for lunch and dinner, uh, for breakfast and lunch. And I didn't realize that Brussels sprouts are high in tryptophan. So I ate these Brussels sprouts and all of a sudden I was like, I feel like I drank Benadryl. And then almost passed <laughs> out. So lesson learned for Leo Flowers. Cause, you know, there was a, t- I remember I was at Costco the other day and I go, man, there was a reason why I never got Brussels sprouts and I couldn't remember. So I got them. And then I was like, Oh, this is why I don't eat Brussels sprouts. Uh, Oh, so good though.
1: But yeah, you can't eat too many of them.
0: Yeah. I had nine ounces of, I'm doing this thing where I eat nine ounces (laughs) of protein, nine ounces of veggies, and then a salad. And apparently nine ounces is too much. uh, Brussels sprouts for your boy. Uh, how, yeah, that's are you a lot. Feeling, brother? How how you dealing with the San Diego
1: heat? Uh, I'm lucky we have AC here, so I, I can be spoiled. And every once in a while, I'll notice. I'm like, God, the room feels warmer than it should be. The dog figured out that if you lay on the vent, he gets his own AC unit. So every single room, I need to post a picture. He will literally be sprawled out, out laying on top of the AC vent, taking everyone's cold. Like it's It's hilarious.
0: Well, you know, I'd imagine the house would be hot because, you know, you're raising three kids. I was looking at your Instagram and everybody's hitting the drums. But before you even get into that, I really want to start off with the snowboarding incident. Because how old are you, Alan?
1: I just turned 41.
0: 41, man. Oh, happy birthday. Um, At what age was, you know, for my listeners, they can't, you know, because this is all audio, they don't know that you are in a wheelchair, right? Paralyzed in 2006. So, how yeah. old were you when the snowboarding uh, incident happened? Uh, I
1: was a 24 year old lunatic, man. I was, <laughs> I mean, I'm almost surprised something didn't happen sooner because I, anything I did, I went full speed. Like the week before I was paralyzed, I was surfing La Jolla Cove, you know, biggest swell of the year, 20, 25 foot not a scratch on me and then a week later I'm snowboarding and I wasn't even in the park doing anything crazy cuz I knew how to do flips and you know 360s 540s I could get down uh it was the first run of the day and I was going like 50 miles an hour like I was flying and the run split I went to turn it was perfect conditions fresh powder it was sunny like everything was great I didn't know there was ice everywhere so I hit ice flew off the side of the run and kind of in the air got spun around and hit a pole back first, basically
0: wow, so it, it wasn't even so much about you know falling in a snow it's like you hit a pole like what what kind of yeah. pole? like a like a like a ball?
1: giant like like a giant metal like ski lift pole type thing wow and and I mean, I was going fifty, I was flying so. Uh, I literally, I broke or cracked all my ribs on both sides, uh, snapped my femur, cracked my pelvis in a couple places, uh, both lungs collapsed, snapped my spine at T twelve, which was like basically about where your belly button is. Like, think about how thick your spine is right there. I, I shattered it. Like, there were vertebrae where like we don't even know where it is, and my bottom half actually flipped around. So I'm like trying to get up off the ground, looking at my own ass, basically. And I don't remember. I didn't hit my head, but I don't remember anything for the first two days.
0: So so you, you didn't wake up. You didn't come to or become lucid until you're in a hospital.
1: Yeah, but apparently I was talking to everybody like nothing happens. Like just complete shock, no pain, just trying to get up like like you fell on your ass going a mile an hour.
0: The, you said and, you didn't see the ice or, or know about the ice. house. would you be able to check for that? Is there like an ice warning? Are there flags? No,
1: no, nothing like that. And it was under all the fresh powder. So literally the last thing I was thinking is ice. And I remember, I remember my board sliding out from under me. All of a sudden, I'm basically on my belly when I tried to turn. And there were two trees in front of me. And all I'm thinking is, shit, how am I going to navigate these trees? And then that's the last thing I remember. Apparently, I caught my edge a little bit. It launched me to the left, and I hit a pole.
0: So you hit this pole. You've been active your whole life. Is this this an event that your whole family participated in? Like, who were you with at the time?
1: So I was with my girlfriend at the time, and then my wife. We split up like four years ago, but we were together 14 years. And this was like maybe a year and a half after we met. I was with her and her family, and her dad's actually a doctor. And they're loading me up on like an emergency flight to Washoe Medical Center in Reno. And it was bad. I mean, it's the point where he was like, yo, if you have anything you want to say to him, like you might want to do it now.
0: Wow. So she was your girlfriend at the time. and then. She, then you got married after.
1: Yeah, we got married I don't know, like two and a half, three years later, something like that. Yeah, almost exactly three years later.
0: What was and, it? Go ahead.
1: Oh, uh, well, it was just crazy because I don't remember anything for the first two days except for one. I mean, maybe one or two seconds where, you know, in like movies or whatever, somebody wakes up in a hospital bed, starts freaking out, ripping all the stuff out of their arms and whatever. I did that. I remember waking up and I'm not even thinking about it. It was almost like I was watching myself where I ripped I cuz I had multiple IVs like one in each forearm, two in each wrist. I ripped everything out, blood flying everywhere, a few people running towards me. And then my first real memory is waking up. Literally I'm laying in a hospital bed and like my family standing around me. And and I knew it was bad because my mom and stepdad were there and they were in Australia when I was snowboarding. So I'm like, if they're in front of me, this isn't good.
0: (laughs) Usually, you know, when one is in a hospital, like you're kind of relieved and happy to see your loved ones there. And then in your situation, you're like, oh, no, there's nothing but bad news after this, huh? Yeah,
1: if you guys, I guess my first thing, I said I looked up at my stepdad and I'm like Glenn. I'm like, what are you doing here? I'm like, you guys are supposed to be in Australia. So, and, then they,
0: uh, yeah. and then they gave you the news that. So you know, an accident like this. You know, I don't, I don't know what your childhood background is and and your socioeconomic status. I would imagine when you know you've broken all the ribs, the femurs, your lungs collapse. They have to helicopter you in. What was that hospital bill? Like, how are you still paying that off?
1: No, thank God I had Kaiser insurance. But I mean, back then, I remember looking at some bills like months later, because they did try and bill us for some stuff. But I had like full insurance, thank God. Um, I mean, over a million in bills that I was looking at.
0: So you're telling me it was all covered under Kaiser? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Get out of here. I, ha- I had full, full insurance through Kaiser.
0: How did you get that being a 24-year-old lunatic?
1: Uh, my dad was a mailman, and so he's a government worker. So they take care of you and your family till you're 25. Bro, the, so, is, is,
0: that, what a bittersweet situation, right? If that happened when you were 26, yowzers. It, oh,
1: if it happened five months later. I would have been well, I still stayed on because my dad grew up like he was always like, you got to stay on insurance. So he would have he would have, if I didn't, he would have paid out of pocket for me to stay on his insurance. Just like now, dude, you're you're young. You're I mean, I was extremely active. I literally would wake up in the morning, go surf, go to I worked as a valet for a while. I worked on a sport fishing boat for a while everything active wake up go surf go to work go to class go surf get home play drums in a band go skateboarding just for like you know exercise i was actually running at night and uh doing like ab workouts and like core strength type stuff cuz that all helped with surfing so all that's what kept me alive i was active my i was never at home i mean even having a girlfriend man that's exercise at night everything i did was just like working out exercise, not like bulking up, but just cardio core strength type stuff. And I I should not have survived this. I mean, it was, it was crazy. Like, so I said, both lungs collapsed. So I woke up and I had tubes, like maybe three quarters of an inch tubes going into each lung through my rib cage to keep them inflated. Like, thank God I didn't see those. When I ripped the IVs out, because if I ripped those out, I would have been a problem.
0: So, I mean, there's so much to unpack here. I can't imagine, right? Like you, you being that active. You're in a band. You're surfing. You're valet. You're like you're running around 100 miles an hour. And now, I would imagine that you're in a place where your girlfriend is having to give you a bath. Or what? What's that like? Like what's that scenario like what is she having to help you with at that moment
1: i mean yeah just helping me get around get like it's i mean the worst at first was the the rib uh, pain i mean just just bruising a rib hurts cracking a rib breaking one that's brutal imagine if you did that to all of them and at first when they sent me home from the hospital i literally had like almost picture like medieval armor where you have that giant chest shield. I had a giant custom made plastic piece that front piece and back piece and they latched together. And I don't remember how long it was probably a couple months. I, every time I got out of bed, I had to put on a giant shield basically. And well, when I first, I was in, they flew me to, to Reno for the surgery, eight and a half hour spinal fusion. Uh, they put a rod in my leg so I wouldn't have to have a cast. Uh, and then in my back, there's two rods like bracket screws, basically held everything together. And then uh I was, I was in the ICU for two weeks, which I mean, usually you're in the ICU. If it's bad, you're in there for a day. I watched dozens of people come and go. I was there for weeks, and then they flew me on a little private jet back to San Diego. And uh, I was in rehab for six weeks.
0: Now, so, and what about the painkillers? Did, did they put you on any of those? How was that for you? Because I know so many people get, can get addicted to that. What was that experience like for you?
1: Yeah, I, uh, they, I mean, they, I've been, it's been, what, 16 years? And they've literally given me everything imaginable. I mean, uh, and name a painkiller. I've I've tried it, and it sucks because the way my back healed, it's actually a little bit crooked. So anytime I'm sitting, it hurts. Every time I've seen you, I've been in pain. I just don't talk about it. And it's uh, I can sit for even if I'm not like imagine just sitting there not moving. Nobody bumps into you. I'm good for like three four hours maybe. Even with all the pain pills I take, I got a laying down. the only thing it takes the pressure off my spine. So it hurts. It always hurts. Even with the, I take, le- I take the legal limit of what you can get prescribed, like the dosage.
0: And so how are you, how, how have you been able to uh, maintain that emotionally, mentally in terms of, you know, not, Overdosing, not I want to say overdosing, but abusing it, right? It sounds like you, for you know, this happened when you're 24, you're 41, and it sounds like you are just following doctor's orders in terms of the pain meds. What has been keeping you in line in terms of not, you know, exceeding the dosage?
1: Uh, my daughter was three when it happened. And so that was like motivation to like, all right, keep your shit together. Like she's only three and all of a sudden it's like, I mean, it's hard. How do you even explain to a three-year-old like, Hey, this is my life now. My back always hurts. Like we're, we're not going to be playing around. Like we used to like, and then you start thinking like, shit, no, I'm not even going to can't teach her to ride a bike. Can't teach her to surf. All my kids would be phenomenal surfers. If this didn't happen, because that was what I did, because I started surfing when I was like 17, 18, picked it up. And within a couple of years was like entering contests, starting to get sponsored, like all that kind of stuff really fast. And it went from like, I can't imagine not surfing to like, wow, I don't even want to look at the ocean. So having kids makes you kind of keep your shit together. Because I've had two more since. So I got three now.
0: Oh, man, my, my boys, are you, I guess your back's not hurting that much, huh?
1: Yeah, I mean, you just, so you have to think long term. Like, I could take more pain meds, but they're going to take a toll eventually.
0: Man, that's, a, that's a beautiful sentiment. You know, it's almost as if when I hear you talk about surfing, being active, building up your core, running, all these things, it's as if you really had spent those first 24 years of your life to prepare for being in a wheelchair. You know, like, like if, you, if you were to, you know, do anything, uh, knowing that at 24 you're going to spend the, maybe the rest of your life in a wheelchair, you would do exactly what you were doing from, you know, surfing, uh, uh, sur- uh, snowboarding, building up your core, all that. Like you said, like if you hadn't done those things, uh, you know, we might not be talking to you right now.
1: Yeah. It's crazy that I survived that. I don't know. I don't know how I'm thinking just, I was in phenomenal shape. I mean, I was active and, and unless I was sleeping, I was doing something and it's crazy. Cause the stuff I did so much stuff by the time I was 24 that, uh, yeah, it was cool. I mean, like I said, I worked on a sport fishing boat for a bit and the last trip we worked on before I was paralyzed. Uh, the BBC rented our boat for like two and a half weeks. And we went down to the Guadalupe islands off of Mexico and they did a documentary on great white sharks. So like we literally pulled up their set anchor, dropped three cages in the water, threw a bunch of chum out within 15 minutes. There's seven great whites swimming around the boat. And uh, you know, they only filmed for a couple hours a day. So any downtime, they had a swim step on the back of the boat and an airline. So I could literally just sit in the cages for hours and watch great whites swim by. And it was it was insane. That trip was so much fun.
0: So you talk about, you know, your your daughter and you like you said, you've had two boys and and I've seen them on Instagram. Like I said, hitting the drums. And it's so it's beautiful that you can connect with them on that level. And I would also imagine that the upside of this is that you're with your you're spending more time with your kids than I would imagine the average father is
1: yeah for sure because I mean the best thing that could have happened with our relationship was actually getting divorced where they're here half the time and there's no like outside influences it's just us so we can do what we want and they didn't they started playing instruments after we split up because my ex would like plan stuff all the time or do stuff so even if we had plans then she'd you know change it on a whim and like i could never just be like all right this day we're gonna do this this day we're gonna do this it was it was so spontaneous that it never gave me like quality time so uh, splitting up is the best thing that could have happened because since then they've been banging on the drums and just yeah being able to to spend that one-on-one time it's priceless
0: Did you feel like that was the best thing uh, throughout the whole thing? Or was there a period of grief? Like, why did you two split up?
1: Uh, It was great at first. And then we just, over the years, kind of, you know, start bringing out the worst in each other. And we also, I mean, when we met, she was 18, I was 22. We were kids. So people change within 14 years quite a bit.
0: Oh, yeah, that absolutely makes sense. And then what was your, it sounds like your, what was your family's response to the, you know, the incident, uh, the uh, uh, the snowboarding accident?
1: Yeah, they were great. They both, they lived, my mom passed away like six
0: years ago now, but
1: she lived like a mile from my dad. And so they just made some changes to their houses uh, just so I could get in. Because, you know, m- know how, what house has a ramp to get in? So made some changes to their houses. I moved in at my mom's at first and lived there, I want to say, like, six months. And then moved over to my dad's house.
0: Is that where and, you are now at your dad's house?
1: Yeah, I got lucky. So he, it's crazy, man. He bought this place, a house in Point Loma. Uh, he bought it with a mailman's salary with two kids in 86 for 155 grand, which is insane. It's probably worth 10 times that now. And it has a studio above the garage. So when I was paralyzed, uh, you know, put a ramp in the back and then he let me and my, my girlfriend and then wife move in. And uh, he moved into the studio above the garage. So I have a great setup in Point Loma, uh, 100% because of him. And now uh, we were able to, you know, start a family here. At one point, I had five dogs and three kids running around like maniacs. I mean, there's a yard, so the dogs can run around. It's a great setup, man. I'm very fortunate with that.
0: Was there any? I mean, yeah, that sounds so cool. Uh, Michelle and I are moving into uh, a place uh, that's one story, and and one thing I think about are the fact that my mom doesn't have to go up and down stairs like you know she can just walk straight in and, yeah and uh it you know and then like you said like is wheelchair accessible because there's no uh there are no t- chairs or uh, or stairs um yeah to, to to enter was there any therapy because you so so you're talking about your kids you've talked about how your family was supportive um you know your dad uh, leaving you the house and all those things were keeping you tethered and grounded. Um, what about, was there any therapy at any point? I'm sure there was physical therapy.
1: Yeah, I did.
0: I I told you six
1: weeks of physical therapy, but I mean, it literally, I had physical therapy every day and stayed there and it hurt so bad that say I'm doing an hour of physical therapy. I mean, I would have to have them help me stretch and like all kinds of stuff. I mean, I might get 10 minutes of actual physical therapy at the end of it because my back, Even still, if I try and work out, if I try and exercise, if I'm laying in bed and I try and lift 10 pound weights, uh, it'll start, my back will start popping in a certain spot. If I go too far, if it starts popping, no joke, it's going to hurt for about six weeks. So I basically have to, and I can't exercise. I can't lift anything. I can't even twist to do the dishes. Like that's how like restricted it is. So. If I'm driving and I see a speed bump, I have to brace myself. Like I, I have to make sure people don't even bump into me. I mean, it's, it's so fragile still, even after all these years. And I figured out literally the only exercise, exercise I can do, uh, banging on the drums as long as they don't play for more than like a half hour. Cause it, and, I, and I have an electric kit, so it's all right in front of me. So I'm not even twisting at all. And like li- literally picture those like things that you squeeze with your hand to like work out your forearms. Like that's it. That's all I can do.
0: And then was there any psychological therapy?
1: No, they actually I, I got lucky, man, mentally I've I've been strong. I haven't had I haven't had any issues. So I'm I'm very lucky in that regard. And they actually uh I guess when you go through like a major accident like that and they put you on like mood stabilizers, antidepressants, whatever. So they, they put me on them without telling me when I left uh, rehab. So I go back home and all of a sudden, literally out of nowhere, I'm sleeping uh, 12 hours at night. I'd go to bed at midnight, wake up at noon, be exhausted all day. I, I could drink coffee all day. didn't matter. And then I would take like a three hour nap. So I'm sleeping easily 15, 16 hours a day. And exhausted all the time couldn't figure out why and this was going on for like weeks and then all of a sudden probably a month I mean it was going on for a while and then all of a sudden I wake up one day after eight hours and feel refreshed and I couldn't figure out what happened I'm like what what change? didn't take a nap that day I, I felt like a normal person all of a sudden that night I because I would take a fistful of pain pills at night or Uh, pills that they gave me at night and I look and I have two little green ones instead of one so I'm like oh I forgot to take this last night I'm like wait is that what changed because all day I was trying to figure out what's different what what changed why am I not tired and so I just didn't take that pill again and next day or next day woke up eight hours later felt refreshed So I finally Google this pill and it's called nortriptyline and it's, you know, it helps with nerve pain, but it's also like mood stabilizer type thing. So I call my doctor and I'm like, yeah, when and why was I put on this pill? Uh, And they're like, Oh, you know, after you go through a traumatic injury like that, we just put you on it. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm not taking this anymore and told them what was happening. And they're like, okay, great. You're supposed to wean yourself off. And, Da, 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 da. I was like, yeah, I'm not touching that pill again. And uh, yeah, I, all of a sudden my sleep schedule is fine. And I just can't imagine. I and mean, that literally, if I didn't figure that out, would have ruined my life. I mean, imagine just sleeping 15, 16 hours a day and always being so tired you don't even feel like a person. And they just put me on that without telling me. Man,
0: I'm so glad you shared that story because so many of us you know we we go see a doctor and we just you know follow doctor's orders and this is why it's so important to get a second opinion and also to ask what the side effects are and to keep track of how the meds are making you feel and and uh you know advocating for yourself and speaking up and not being afraid to say I'm just not. you know I had to tell my doctor they gave me an asthma medication I was like I'm not taking this and it's giving me suicidal ideations and then they gave me a, a, a blood pressure medication. They, they, I need, It's not even because I had blood pressure. They were just like experimenting. And then I had a, um, a near fatal allergic reaction to it. So, wow. uh, it, you know, and, and we, you know, we have to remember that I've, I've seen a million doctors, not a million doctors, but I've, I've been to the doctor a number of times and uh, for, for various things. And overall, I'm very grateful for w- what doctors have done. Uh, but, you know, medicine is still very, uh, it's still a very young field, and it's still learning a lot about the brain, the body, and, um, and how pharmaceuticals interact with that. And so, you know, there's going to be, um, you know, some, some incidences. And uh, so we just have to be mindful, we have to be diligent, we have to advocate and, uh, and c- keep communicating with the doctors. It's not... Um, the doctor says this. And so you do it. It's, it's really about recognizing that it's a conversation and, and asking, you know, I have friends, I'm lucky where I have friends who are in the medical field and I can reach out to and say, Hey, my doctor's suggesting this. What do you think? You know?
1: Oh, what you said? I mean, being your own advocate is a thousand percent true where, I, I mean, they see so many patients before they talk to you they might look through notes for 5 minutes. I can they really learn about your whole life in 5 minutes and then go prescribe something that'll change your life? I mean, especially like you said, uh my blood pressure was starting to go up a little bit and they tried to put me on something. And I said, you know, uh let's let's come back to this later and instead I just went home and googled stuff that I can do to lower my bro- my blood pressure and, you know, obviously obvious, obvious stuff, like cut back on salt, but I started taking some basic supplements. Like I forget what like fish oil and a couple other things. Uh, my blood pressure dropped almost 20 points on my own without any pills. And at like maybe 30, they were trying to put me on a blood pressure med for the rest of my life and would not have hesitated doing it. And I'm like, you know, let me let me see what I can do naturally on my own. And the same thing since uh, a couple of times, like I'll go to the pharmacy, refill like a normal pain prescription. And they're like, oh, well, the doctor put something else in for you. And I go, cool. What's the name? All right. Put it on my phone. I go, I'm not going to refill it right now. I'll get back to you. And I've had over the years, it's happened a few times where they've tried to put me on something that. Almost like another like mood stabilizer type thing, thinking the reason I'm taking so many pain pills is like, oh, he must be depressed and just taking a bunch of pills like or you could talk to me about this and realize, you know, look at my charts, see that my back healed crooked. And anytime I'm sitting, it hurts. Feels like I'm getting kicked in the spine every two seconds. Like, yeah, that's probably why I'm taking all these pills. And, you know, my mood has nothing to do with it. So
0: you talked like, about being mentally strong and, you know, just being lucky in that regards. What in your childhood, how you were raised, genetics background, do you think contributed to you being mentally strong through all this? And not to say that you were I'm sure that there were some moments of uh, grieving and anger and, uh, you know, but overall. To, to mentally pull through this?
1: I don't know. I can't really think. Because I had a mellow childhood. I mean, my parents split up when I was young, but they lived close to each other. We just went back and forth. It was, it was mellow. Like, I can't think of anything. I don't know. I've always just been a low-stress person, even in, like, intense situations. Which I feel like stress ages you worse than anything. So... Yeah, I'm also lucky in that regard, I suppose. But I think that's just how I've always been. Because even when it comes to stand up, like some people get stressed out before their sets. I'll see great comedians pacing and going through their notes. I mean, it'll happen where I forget I'm up next and I'll I'll be talking to people at the bar and then I hear my name called. I'm like, oh, yeah, shit, I gotta go. And they didn't even realize I was a comedian. So it's, uh, I don't know. I've just always naturally been. Just low stress, just easy going. So, uh, yeah, Yeah. I can't really point to anything, though.
0: Yeah, I've seen you uh, perform a number of times. You're always killing it. And you're definitely one of those guys So I was like, man, that guy is just so relaxed. And I'm like, I wish I could put that on a pill and get some of that. How how do you prepare for your shows? Because you're absolutely right. Pros pacing back and forth. They're anxious. They're in their head. They're taking notes. Don't talk to me. Don't come in the green. Like, you know, I mean, and I, I'm, I'm I'm, that's, you know, been my MO sometimes.
1: Yeah, I'm always the opposite. I almost I almost don't think about it before I go up because, you know, your material, you know what you want to do. Unless there's something specific I want to throw in there and then I'll just have those notes on my phone ready just in case. But I, I would like in my first few years, I was so prepared it was it was almost robotic like i would go up there it could be great material but i just delivered it so just like set up punchline tags set up like it was just it came off too robotic so it got to the point where i almost had to not prepare for a set and just go up there and just do what i'm gonna do so yeah i mean it's almost like on purpose i don't i don't prepare I know you, what I want to do.
0: Do you prepare off stage? Like, do you spend some time writing during the day? You're like, well, what's the behind the scenes preparation? If there is any. Uh,
1: I go in waves where I won't write a new joke for months. And I never force myself to write because that just doesn't work for me. So I'll go I'll go months without writing and then I'll get something in my head. And then, you know, I'll start writing. The next thing I know, the sun's coming up and it's eight hours later. And I wrote 20, 30 minutes worth of stuff that, you know, you'll whittle down to five or six or seven, whatever, in the end. But I, a lot of it worked because I still hit open mics every night. I still go down to Madhouse. They give me a good spot on the list so I can get in, get out. But even if I have two shows, I'll still go stop by there, work on some stuff. So I think, I think just being on stage, that stage time, uh works the best for me compared to sitting at home and writing but when i do write i also i never go on stage just with a fresh idea i've written it and rewritten it and edited it you know 20 times before i try it the first time cuz i hate when guys you see guys go up there and it's like they're just wasting that stage time they they're not prepared they don't know where they're going with it i never want to be that guy man i don't even if it's 3 minutes I'm going to make the most of that three minutes.
0: I love that. Yeah, that, that preparation. Did you see your your father or your mom prepare for things like that? Were they, were, did they always have a plan?
1: No. No, my dad was just a lazy stoner mailman that uh, liked going to the beach during the summer and, you know, watching football. And my mom, nah, man, she was a maniac. She just... Uh, yeah, I just like to hang out, like to drink on the weekends and like to party. And yeah, so I didn't I don't know where I got that. It's just kind of what I figured out worked best for me with comedy, because a lot of people, too, they write with other people or they meet up and they do this. I've never written with anyone and I try not to watch too much stand up because I don't want it to influence anything I'm doing.
0: That, that absolutely makes sense. Having kids. You know, some people, if they've been through an accident like that, uh, they might be more cautious with their kids where it's like, I don't, don't run around. You might get hurt, uh, you know, settle down, slow down. Are, are you, I would assume that you're probably not that that parent. You're not that father where you're or you want your kids to explore and, and be adventurous.
1: Yeah, they're, they're seven and 10 year old boys. They're going to they're little maniacs. I mean, they've all, they've been skiing. They've, they've, they still go up to the mountains with their mom. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they're, <laughs> my seven-year-old likes to climb. So I have to tell him to not jump off the roof type stuff.
0: So what's dating for you like now? You, you had a, you had a girl, you got married and now you're back out in these streets.
1: Uh, it's been wild, dude. I, cause I was assuming, you know, I'm, when we split up, I was a 30. 37 year old cripple with three kids i'm like this is not gonna be easy uh no nah, it's it's I, I meet so many girls i've still never been on a dating app but i've met so many girls through stand-up uh it's it's been wild i mean the first uh, let me think back so the first girl i was seeing after i got split up uh, i mean she was a smoke show she's like 25 year old absolutely gorgeous Wildly bisexual. She had a girlfriend while we were together. Uh, you know, her favorite thing is, hey, let's go to the bar and let's go, let's go talk to other girls, type stuff. And so, I, we were doing that for a while. I didn't realize how many bisexual girls there are now. It's these these streets are wild, man. I mean, after her, I was dating a, like a Bang Energy promo model. That was, I mean, she lived with her sugar daddy that they weren't hooking up. He had a mansion above the golf course in La Jolla, like on a private road. She got paid five grand a month just to live with him and be arm candy uh, for, you know, events, dinners, lunches, whatever. And yeah, that poor girl was insane, though. So it didn't last too long. And then let me think. I mean, after that, I was seeing a girl who another yeah super bisexual but almost overkill to the point where she was on like all day she'd be on like tinder like fet life which is a fetish website just like inviting other girls to come over all the time i mean i yeah that was wild and i'd probably still be with her if she didn't move for a job i've had a normal just a normal monogamous relationship since then and, uh, yeah, we split up a while ago, but I, I, I never have ugly breakups. Like I always, I'm still friends with all of them. It's just, I'm more like the guy I recognize, like it's fun, but it's not going to work out long-term. Like kind of, what are we doing here? So they're not always happy, but I, <laughs> I don't know when you bring a little bit of logic, it goes a long way. I'm always, I think I do so well just cause I'm like, I'm honest and you you know you can trust me and I'm not going to feed you some bullshit. And in 2022 that goes a long way apparently.
0: You know, the, the one thing I I've loved about your stand up is very honest, It's very authentic and you know, having three kids, I just listened to a podcast today uh where uh this this guy wrote just published a new book about how to talk to your kids about sex. And you having three kids, have, have you had that conversation with your kids at, on any level or, uh, or, or if, you know, what's your thinking about that? I mean, I know they're, they're still very young, but my mom talked to me about it when I think I was maybe seven, eight. Like she just had books on it and it wasn't a big deal.
1: Yeah, no, my daughter's 19. So we went, we went through all that of just... Luckily, she has a good head on her shoulders because she's, she's gorgeous. So, obviously, that's going to make for an uh, interesting life in Southern California. I mean, good-looking girls live on a different planet than we do. Just the attention, the opportunities, everything. It's stuff that we can't even fathom. So, just teaching her, I mean, be smart, be safe. Uh, if you're ever in a bad situation, you call me, I'll pick you up. I'll give you a ride. No questions asked. Like you need to be safe, but most important man, we, we need to be honest with each other. So she saw her mom, uh, her mom was together for years and then broke up uh, with her husband, her, uh, my daughter's stepdad. And she kind of saw her mom just kind of go off the rails, sleeping around just being a terrible example. And she has a good head on her shoulders, So, you know, you see that and you go, Hey, I don't want to be that person. So I feel like having positive examples and negative examples is almost beneficial because you can hear what you should do and you can see what not to do.
0: Man, that is such a great point. You can, you can see what not to do and hear what you should do. That's so powerful. I mean, Everything operates on yin-yang, you know, from our, our bodies to the universe, positive and negative ions, we need all that to operate. So I'm glad you mentioned that because I think that some of us, you know, wish that, oh, I wish I had a better parent or I wish my mom did this or my dad did that. And the truth is they're all just lessons if, if we're really paying attention. And, you know, maybe what happened to you definitely is unfortunate but also and also an opportunity to you know to be aware of what to look out for or, or what to be drawn to
1: yeah i'm just trying to make the best of it man it there doesn't matter how much i try and even how much money i make i mean it's this is it so i gotta make the most of it i wish i started doing stand-up earlier i mean i was 33 when i started
0: well, you, and you have a new uh, special you're working on right now, right?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I've literally, so I was about to record this uh, before the pandemic, and then the world fell apart. And then I was ready to record it last, like, fall, winter. And I broke my leg, which is the only injury I've had since I was paralyzed. And so that put it back. And then just since then, I've been so busy and working on so much stuff. I mean, I have a half hour of material that I don't even do anymore that I could have recorded this four years ago and it's still material. I love the material. It's good. I'm just, if I was still telling those same jokes, I'd go insane. I don't know how people tell the same jokes for a decade and are content with that. Like I would go insane. So I'm always evolving, working on new stuff. I mean, even in 2019, I did an hour a handful of times. Like, I I have a lot of material. I'm always working on stuff.
0: Always working on stuff. How would you break your leg? Skiing? (laughs) No,
1: so this was, uh, I have a bigger van. So over the pandemic, uh, I have a minivan I drive around daily, and then I have a bigger van that I threw solar on the roof, almost a full-size bed in the back, a little, like, power bank for the solar. So I can plug in anything I need and like a little fridge that I have in there, even electric blanket if I'm, if it gets cold. So uh, I was getting in that thing and I was a seat cover on it and the seat cover fell off. So my hand slipped and I fell like maybe 18 inches between my wheelchair uh, and the seat and my leg got twisted under me and it broke like right below my kneecap. And I didn't even know it broke. You can't feel it. So this happened on a Wednesday. I still went, did this open mic in a show, uh, did a show Thursday. And then I went up to LA Friday, Saturday for shows. So all of a sudden, uh, like Thursday, Friday, my leg started swelling like to a pretty crazy degree. So I just kept keeping it elevated, tried not to move it around. And, uh, so this happened Wednesday by Friday night, the swelling getting bad. And I'm just like, God damn it. I'm in LA. What do I even do? All of a sudden Saturday, I'm like crazy lethargic. I just slept all day. Uh, I did my shows that night. And then I drove back Saturday night and Sunday I went to the ER. Cause I was literally starting to feel like I almost had the flu and it's probably my body just saying your legs broken, stop whatever you're doing just my own body shutting me down. So I go to the ER and uh, they took an x-ray. They didn't see the break at first. So they gave me a bunch of antibiotics because I've I've had cellulitis before where like your leg will swell up. And if it gets really bad, it goes septic. It can kill you. And which that almost happened to me years ago. It's a different story. But they gave me all these antibiotics, send me home. So this is Sunday. I go home, take antibiotics doesn't do anything. Monday comes around. I like triple dose the antibiotics thinking it's just not enough. Yeah. Still not getting better. So Tuesday I go back to the ER. They take an MRI or a CT scan, one of those, and then they see the break and I was basically stuck at home in a cast for two months.
0: Yowza. So many challenges, so many, um, points of strength, and support you know from your family to your kids to comedy to focusing on the work I love all of it uh you know I earlier you were talking about your kids playing the drums and you loving the drums also what kind of music are you into like what what's what's your favorite playlist right now
1: oh man it's crazy so back back then like my warm-up like before I was paralyzed, just when I would warm up, I would literally uh, play a couple Hendrix songs, then play like some Pennywise, which is like fast punk. Um, I would throw in some nerd like hip hop beats and then maybe like Sublime, which is almost like a mix between all of those. So I would literally play along with everything. I like playing along with hip hop just because it's like that that constant beat. But then I would have, you know, all my variations to it you know, throwing some Hendrix or Mitch Mitchell's just going off on drums. So it would literally be all all kinds of stuff, anything but country.
0: You know, you seem to be so mellow and so chill, and so many people are overwhelmed with global warming, what's happening in the news and the government and, you know, monkeypox. How do you... Uh, manage that do you do you read the news do you listen to it do you avoid it like what what's your perspective on what's happening you know uh nationally and globally
1: uh it's it's one of those things where the more you look into it the more it just pisses you off with, with a lot of things so like obviously you know i want to i want to stay current and like try to educate myself to a degree with what's happening but then at the same time I um, mean, you start going down rabbit holes and that's, that's not healthy. You, I mean, you literally start driving yourself insane, you know, trying to look at certain aspects of everything. I mean, even with COVID where it's like, oh, they're bringing the masks back. Like, really? We're doing this again? Like, yeah, I don't know. It's almost like willful ignorance with a lot of it.
0: Are there any books that you read or have read that really have resonated with you and that maybe you hope your kids would read one day?
1: Uh, so I'm, I'm literally coming to realize I'm 41 and I'm coming to realize I probably have severe ADHD. And like I'm, I'm one of those people that should probably be on like Adderall because uh, I was actually talking to my doctor about it. And, like, I haven't read a book since I was a kid. Like, I literally, I physically could not read. Like, you get in high school and you have to read a book. I, no matter how much I focused, zero distractions, sitting down, I would read three pages and realize I haven't read the last two. Like, I, I just, I get distracted. My brain just goes a million directions where I couldn't even read the cliff notes to a book. I would just get distracted. My, I'd start thinking about a million different things. Uh, like I couldn't tell you how my favorite movie ends. Because by the end, no matter how much I like the movie, three quarters of the way into it, I'm just... I don't even, I don't even know if I would call it bored, but I'll just get distracted. Man. I'm way too good at entertaining myself. So, I don't know. I always thought I just had like the worst... I was the worst procrastinator. I just got distracted easily. And the more I talked to him, I was just like, oh, yeah, you probably have like pretty severe ADHD.
0: That so I, is yeah, I so could so funny.
1: <laughs> I, I, yeah. That- even reading, I'll read books to my kids. And if I wasn't reading it out loud and engaging with them, I wouldn't even make it to the end.
0: But, you know, that's such a superpower to be way too good at entertaining yourself. Well, kudos to you, brother. Uh, a lot of people would love to have that. Where It's, it's you know, pretty they great. Their own, they keep, they're good at keeping their own company. Yeah. So, like, meditation is out the window for you.
1: Uh, I'll try. I mean, I try and do some, like, breathing exercises at night. Try. I've, I've tried meditating, doing, you know, like, where you, you know, slowly breathing through your nose, count to four count to eight, eight, exhale slowly through your mouth. And I'll lose focus doing that. If I'm not counting, I would literally forget that I was doing it. So it's, yeah, I've, I've tried meditation. And uh, yeah, man, well, there's just too much fun stuff to think about.
0: <laughs> too much fun stuff to think about. So wait, what's your morning routine? like? What, what do you do when you first wake up in the morning? Do you, do you, is it programmed or you just are spontaneous with that?
1: Uh, I mean, unfortunately I normally I wake up with a ton of back pain. I mean, I just, it it hurts when I wake up. So, you know, get up, take some pain meds, stretch. I mean, even if I wake up, it takes me about an hour to get out of bed and I'll do some stretching and literally to distract myself from the pain. That's when I'll, I'll just jump on social media or YouTube or something like that, just for the sheer distraction and then, you know, get up. You know, feed the dog, do whatever I got to do. You always have some errands. Maybe jump in the shower early, get that out of the way. And uh, yeah, I mean, having three kids will keep you busy. So to go out, and start playing. I can't. I, if my it sucks, my back hurts so early. Otherwise, I would get up and bang on the drums with them. But we always end up doing that later in the day. But these these maniacs keep me busy.
0: Well, I love it, man. And I love that you are able to hop on here, Alan. Uh, last question. And I ask this of all my guests, because always imagine there's one person listening in who may be on the precipice of wanting to end their life before you kill yourself. What would you say to them, Alan?
1: Man, I feel like with everything in life, it's just, you, you got to look at the big picture and, and no, I mean, there's people that'll even if you don't think so there's there's people out there that care there's people out there that'll miss you and i mean i think i'm proof man you can work through anything i i yeah i i was in so much pain i couldn't even roll over like if they had to take an x-ray on my back it took three people they had to put a board under me it's called log roll and it's literally man all of them have to help you roll over and uh I mean, I went from that to, I feel like I'm doing pretty well. And it's just, you have to look at the long game. I mean, I, you I always hear people say stuff like, oh, you, if you work on it, you can get 1% better in a week. It's like, well, then think about in a couple of years, how good you'll be. So it's just, it's, it's the long game, man. Everyone wants instant gratification. You're talking about dating. I feel like Tinder and social media. Instant gratification ruined that for people. So, you know, you you look at the long game. You'll find the right person. You'll you'll find your way.
0: Yeah, you know. Speaking of social media, the thing that I love about your social media is that you're promoting not just yourself but everybody else. Like you have everybody else's flyers on your Instagram, and I think that's so cool because I don't do it. Like if I'm doing a show with other people, it's just going to be my face and the show um and then you might see everybody else in like small print but you're you're literally oh no no no
1: no that's that's a that's what's her name
0: paradox
1: comedy she does everything she because no no, my social media is uh it's all me i'm just on a lot of shows (laughs) i'm just staying busy i'm actually not on there very much too i i try and get in get out Cause, uh, I mean, talk about a waste of time, getting sucked in there. I don't know how people do it. Just staring at Instagram all day, I would lose my mind.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely. Yeah, I have to. It's. I wake up and I get on it. So, and I'm like, why am I back on here? This is this is ridiculous. Uh,
1: that's. I'm, I'm the same way though. I jump on there and then I try and just. All right, you got it out of your system. Good. No more. Stop
0: doing it. Alan, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much, listeners, for tuning in. Remember, this podcast is not a substitute for you going to get help, for you calling a 988 number. That's the new national uh, suicide hotline number here in America. There are international phone numbers listed in the show notes. Uh, You can go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. And don't forget, betterhelp.com forward slash Leo to enjoy 10% off your first month with a mental health specialist to get you moving towards your goals and unstuck. Uh, Thank you for tuning in. Thank you so much, Alan. Let's get to tomorrow together. Thanks a lot, Alan.
1: Yeah, man. Thank you.